WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Today, our main focus is the coronavirus. In Mecklenburg County, a grim milestone this week. We have now seen 1,000 COVID-19 deaths since this pandemic began. 1,000 people, folks, these are our neighbors. State health officials say nearly 94% of the deaths in the past three months have been people who were not fully vaccinated. When it comes to cases across the state of North Carolina, the state is seeing uh, a rapid rise. Here's the latest, latest data as of this past Thursday. 3,400 new cases. There are the highest numbers we've seen since February. Hospitalizations were just under 1,600. We saw our biggest single day jump since January. Joining us today, Mecklenburg County Health Director Gibby Harris. Gibby, thank you for coming on and we appreciate it. We know you're busy right now. Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, listen, this week we uh, we started giving folks 100 bucks for vaccinations in certain parts of the state, including here in Charlotte. And, and vaccinated folks were being told to start wearing masks. A lot of folks are wondering, why not reward the good behavior? Why not require vaccination cards for restaurants, gyms, offices, that sort of thing? If not, those folks can wear masks if they, if they don't want to have the, the vaccination cards. Uh, some people say we're letting those who are willingly unvaccinated at this, po at this point dictate the rules. W what would you say to those people? Well, I, I think it's unfortunate that um, only half of our population is vaccinated. Obviously, there's a, a portion of those that can't be. Those are our younger children who, who aren't eligible for the vaccine yet. But, you know, it, the, the challenge that we have before us right now, number one, is a community that has uh, little appetite for restrictions. Um, required restrictions, mandated restrictions, and uh, which is fully understandable. I mean, we've all been in this for 17, almost 18 months now, and um, there's just no appetite for that, as well as the fact that we have been operating under the governor's executive order, and obviously he is not mandating those sorts of things, which just makes it a bit challenging. So what we're doing right now is really focusing on the things that we need people to do and asking for their support and making sure that our community is as safe as it can be, especially for those who can't be vaccinated, as well as protecting those who are most vulnerable and protecting yourself. So that that's where we are in the process right now. Anything could change at any time, but um, we're we're sticking to the the strongly encouraging and hoping that the community steps up. But but what you say, folks, who who say as you by your own admission. Um, you've got a reluctant public at this point and, and folks who have, have had the ability to get the vaccine for, 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 for months now. And you have those people who are doing the right things. I mean, it's so, sort of like talking about students in school. You got the ones doing the right things and, and they're paying the price. I understand that um, the, the unfortunate situation we find ourselves in is we have this Delta variant, which is incredibly infectious and spreads very rapidly in our community. And we are seeing breakthrough cases. So number one, even if you're fully vaccinated, that, that does not mean that you might not become infected. Uh, the good news is that very few people who 
fit into that category are being hospitalized. We are not seeing deaths in that population. So um, that's the good news. But the, the challenge is that they become infectious themselves. So they have the ability to infect their family, even if their family's been vaccinated or others in their community that they're around that are at high risk for severe complications. So, you know, it, it is a challenging situation right now. Um, if you're vaccinated, the likelihood that you're gonna get very sick is very slim, but you could also be infectious to others. So there's just a need for all of us to sort of buckle down right now and really fight this, this virus together. Given the change of trajectory, of this thing in the last month. What is your department doing tangibly right now to get ready for this fall? So um, actually we have been adding staff so that as the number of cases that are coming in every day goes up, we're able to do the contact tracing, the case investigation that we need to do. So we've added staff and we're continuing to look at those numbers every week to see if there's additional staff we need to bring on. We are really focusing significant effort in those communities, in those uh, census tracts where we have low vaccination rates on door to door, making sure that people have the right information, making sure they're he hearing from people that they can listen to and that they're comfortable with about the importance of the vaccinations. And we're in those communities providing vaccine, whether that's through pop-up clinics or even door to door, um, making ourselves available. And then the other thing we're doing is continuing to work with our school system to increase their capacity to be able to deal with the influx of students they're gonna see in a couple of weeks and, and that they have uh, all the things in place that they need to to keep from seeing potential outbreaks in the school system. We, we've seen outbreaks at other local schools uh, around the greater Charlotte area. We're thinking about Union County. Um, is CMS prepared? They're getting there. Um, they're making significant strides and efforts, um, and we're continuing to make recommendations and looking at how we can partner with them to support their efforts. Um, they are uh, focusing on looking at some uh, surveillance testing in the schools just to know what's going on in those school systems. Obviously, they're going to require masking. Um, and there's a number of other things that they're putting in place right now to be ready for the school system. You know, it's going to be tough uh, when you bring that many people back together and and that sort of environment. We are going to see some cases. We are going to see. We expect that. So we just need to be prepared to address that when it happens. In your mind, what's an acceptable acceptable level of cases? Um, there is no acceptable level at this point. Sure. I, you know, I understand what you're saying, though. I mean, unfortunately, every week we're seeing our number of cases coming in uh, growing exponentially, um, and that is a result of this Delta variant. And so, I, again, the answer is vaccinations, and the backup is the masks. So those are the two things that we really need to reinforce right now and hope that the community listens to that and steps up. But we have seen an uptick in vaccinations, um, but no reason to believe we're going to see a, a huge jump, really, um, anytime soon if, if past is prologue. Um, and we are seeing the Delta keep on spreading. So 
So how does this play out in the next month or two? And, and if you'll humor me, I, I, I don't want optimism here. <laughs> you are an expert. You, you, you are an expert in this field. Um, I want realism. How, are you, how is this thing going to play out in the next month, two months, three months? So one thing we need to recognize, and I, don't, I know this is something nobody wants to hear, is coronavirus, COVID is here to stay for a while. Um, we are going to probably continue to see peaks and valleys of cases over the next year or two. I mean, it's not going to go away. This is a virus that is very persistent and has been very good at um, mutating and challenging our systems all the way through this process. So I, I personally don't believe we are going to um, see, see COVID uh, just completely banished from our consciousness anytime soon. And so we've got to be prepared for that. And that might mean that based on the peaks and valleys that I'm talking about, that we might have to make changes in our community um, to how we respond, depending on what's going on in the community. Um, I think over the next couple of months, we're gonna see these numbers continue to rise, especially if we don't see significant increases in the number of folks that are vaccinated in Mecklenburg County and our surrounding counties, because we've got people coming in and out of our community all the time. At some point, I would imagine that, like I said, peaks and valleys, we are going to see it drop off some, but then as we get into the winter months, it's going to be hard to know um, what we will see. We know last winter was pretty difficult, um, but we didn't have very many people vaccinated at that point, so hopefully it won't be as bad this year. Lots of folks trying to score political points, blaming uh, the spread of COVID on certain demographic groups. Is that fair? We asked the health director coming up after this. We are really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Our big interview today, Mecklenburg County Health Director Gibby Harris. All right, I want to talk demographics here uh, about who isn't vaccinated, because unfor unfortunately you have people who, who are trying to score political points uh, in this conversation, and some people blame white rural Americans, other people blaming communities of color. Uh, one local school board member uh, said this week it was immigrants crossing the border without masks. Um, based on everything I've seen, th this is, oddly enough, really stretching across a lot of different de demographics. I, I agree. Um, I, I think the, the folks that have stepped up the most um, across the board in any demographic has been our elderly population, and they did that early on, and they are, are as well vaccinated as anybody in our community at this point. Um, our young people, uh, again, are thinking, if I get this, it's going to be mild. I don't have to worry about it, um, and I just don't want to you know, be bothered with the vaccine. Um, so that's a population that we're concerned about. But the reality is across the board, um, you know, especially if you're looking at race or ethnicity, we're still hanging around that 50% mark. So there's issues across all of the demographics, I think. Um, and then we still have, again, the younger population that we need to worry about. And I think that's across all 
all races and ethnicities as well. Uh, right now, the General Assembly is discussing, uh, debating, requiring teens to get permission to get the vaccine. Would that be a mistake? Um, you know, we have been very careful um, with our teens as they come in. When we have a teen that shows up, we'll ask them if they've talked to their parent about it. We've, and quite often uh, we will ask, well, we always ask permission to have a conversation. Can we call your mom right now or your dad and, and just make sure that they're comfortable with this? So we are doing everything we can to make sure that the parents are involved in that decision-making. Um, but as with other vaccines and other um, situations that we deal with, with teens, we, we always will err on making sure that they're protected if we feel like they can fully grasp and understand the ramifications of what they're wanting to do. So I would prefer that that not happen because I think that really limits our ability. But I also want to make sure the community knows that we make every effort to make sure that parents are involved in those decisions with their teens. You mentioned it earlier, but, but I wanna follow up. Whatever happened to contact tracing? Is it still happening? Is it effective? Are, 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 are we the people failing you all because we're not communicating our information? Where do things stand right now? And would you say that contact tracing here in Mecklenburg County has been successful? I think at, at times we've, we've had really good success with contact tracing because of the numbers that we've had at some point in time, we have made decisions about how we focus contact tracing. So we're seeing 50% of our cases between 18 and 39 year olds. Um, and so when we put effort into contact tracing, we are focusing more on that population because we know they're out and about more and the likelihood that they have transmitted to any number of people goes up. So we, we focus on that more. That doesn't mean we dismiss other cases. Um, if we are seeing a situation where we've got a number of cases that are linked, we'll make sure that we're contact tracing there because the likelihood that there are more people who have been exposed goes up. Um, and we're, when we're working with businesses um, or the courts or others where they have had a case or two and we know that others have been exposed, we're working with them around that as well. And of course, we always do contact tracing when there are children involved. Um, so yes, that work continues. Um, we have Depending on the situation, we have more success in some situations than we do with others. Some folks won't answer our telephone calls, um, you know, and I, I understand that because I know if I get a call from a number that I don't know, quite often I don't pick it up. But we're asking people to um, respond. We leave voicemail messages, call us back. Um, we keep your information confidential. It's not shared with others. So we really need people to respond to those calls. Knowing, knowing what we know and knowing what we knew, say even back two months ago um, about the variants and the mutations um, and the resistance to vaccines, was the current spike we're seeing completely predictable? Um, you know, this virus has specific characteristics that allow it to mutate more easily than some of the other viruses that we've we've encountered in the past. Um, and for that reason, I think, you know, I think we knew there were gonna be variants that had a potential of being um, more infectious. I mean, the, the role of viruses is two. One is to um, infect as many hosts as they can. And the second is to continue to be 
um, as virulent as it can be. And that's where the mutations come in. Unfortunately, with low numbers of people vaccinated and with the high risk of transmission in our community, it gives that virus more of an opportunity to mutate. So another reason for us to get vaccinated is it tamps down that ability. And I know at the federal level, there are some experts who are really concerned about a, a worse variant than what we have now, one that might actually be resistant to the vaccine. So we need to do everything we can to prevent that. Final question. I feel like on behalf of the people of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, I need to ask the question. Uh, despite the recent uptick, you still plan on retiring in a few months? Yes, I am. Uh, I have committed to my family that I will be retiring at the end of the calendar year. But the good news is that um, we have been successful with succession planning. We have and uh, Dr. Raynard Washington is our deputy right now. He's been with us through this entire COVID experience. He's been on board for about 17 months now. We know his capacity. We know what, what he can do. And he is has gotten comfortable with the county um, and with our department and feel like he can step in. So um, I, I am committed to giving him that opportunity. Well, what, what the county is losing in your ex expertise and experience, I know you're your, your family is gaining in quality time, so we can ex be excited for them. All right, Gibby Harris, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Thank you for having me this morning. Take care. Bye. More Flashpoint after this. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Therapists who work with some of our most vulnerable children are asking, where's the money? They say in the month since North Carolina transitioned its Medicaid program to a new managed care approach, the five private companies now in charge are dragging their feet, paying them, even denying one out of every 10 claims. Now there's fear that some low-income kids won't get the critical treatment they need as a result. A top state official telling WCNC Charles Nate Morbido what he uncovered is unacceptable and promised action. Some small healthcare businesses have waited at length to get paid for services they provided four weeks ago. For those struggling to keep their doors open, Medicaid's deputy director told us North Carolina will step in and cover their costs while they wait to get reimbursed. It's been 29 days. Our patience is kind of wearing thin at this point. The amount varies from Salisbury. I'm waiting on over $5,000 right now. To South Charlotte. We are in the hole for $9,000. To Concord. About 35,000 and that number just keeps growing. Each dollar represents speech and occupational therapy provided to a child who desperately needs it. It is very frustrating and our patients will definitely pay the price because there are some practices who are going under or, or who are putting you know kids on hold from services. Take speech language pathologist Tara Puma. I am looking at putting those children on hold for services until we can get reimbursed for them. 
what a decision to have to make. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard because these are North Carolina's most vulnerable population. Her small in-home therapy business has already struggled to survive the pandemic. Now she's trying to overcome a major Medicaid change at the state level. They definitely seem ill-prepared. North Carolina officially switched to managed care on July 1st, which means the state handed over control of its 1.5 million patient Medicaid program to five private companies. This is one of our occupational therapy gyms. A move years in the making. These things should have been figured out before July 1, 2021. These small business owners can't understand. There hasn't been clear and consistent guidance why they're encountering so many problems. We need some hardcore problem solving because we're just not getting that. We're just getting lip service. It's been a month they've not received payments. How is that acceptable? It's not. Dave Richard is deputy secretary for North Carolina Medicaid. When you've had years to prepare for this, how do you explain that to them? If I was the organization that wasn't getting paid, I would feel exactly as they did. He says from the state's perspective, the transition to managed care has gone relatively smoothly overall, but tells us technical issues with provider coding in the claims process has led to the companies denying 12% of claims, a lower percentage than he says the state anticipated. Yeah, I appreciate you raising these questions for us. But a problem nonetheless. It's not acceptable. We're fixing it. While providers wait, he says there are emergency advances available for those hardest hit. If they're at that place to where they believe they can't take patients because they're not getting paid, we want to know um, because we that's that's not something that's acceptable to us. These therapists are tired of the surprises. Every day there's something new that's coming up. Overwhelmed by the increased paperwork. Uh, it's been pretty rough. And left feeling abandoned. We do not feel taken care of. Disappointed managed care has not lived up to its promise that patients wouldn't lose out on care and providers wouldn't lose out on payments. The executive director of the North Carolina Association of Health Plans declined an on-camera interview, but in a statement called any single issue or incident unfortunate. However, he said all involved share a commitment to make this transition work for those who deserve exceptional integrated care. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. You can understand how that could be maddening, though, for the for the families involved. More flashpoint after this. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The first warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up. Plan your day and your life. The First Warn Storm Team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. It's not often that we talk about Charlotte rapper DaBaby here on Flashpoint, but he's made a lot of news here recently, so we thought it might be worth mentioning. He was dropped from several festivals and venues after making homophobic remarks. He apologized for him um, at least two times that we know of that we can count. Um, and I posted this on, on, on Facebook. Uh, that's a great first step. Good for him. Um, but we're asking him to go a step further. You know, it's important to give people who, who, who make mistakes, who, who say things, uh, the room to grow and learn from their mistakes. So uh, as a show of goodwill, he should back up those apologies with good work and also sizable donations, perhaps donating to local LGBTQ groups like Time Out Youth, the Plus Collective, Charlotte Pride, Charlotte Black Pride, as as well as Rain, as a, a Charlotte rapper, those are 
great Charlotte organizations he could donate to and uh, help bridge the divide there. Of course, come let me know what you think. Come interact with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page as well. If there's something you want us to cover here on Flashpoint, let me know. We hope you enjoyed today's uh, episode, talking to the health director, super helpful, very informative as well. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of Flashpoint. Have a great week, everybody.